You're listening to Marcus Sahaba Online Radio Podcast. Yes, sir, people, uh, the time of the evening uh, where you join us on uh, the segment uh, Pertinence uh, Punctuated and Alhamdulillah, it is a segment uh, that uh, features uh, two mashallah alims, starting off with our very own Sheikh Shoy Maida, who is a Medina University graduate. He's an astute businessman. He's also very popular on many uh, talk shows and uh, also hosts his own show. And also he does a lot of motivational talks and uh, not forgetting a lot of humanitarian work. And uh, this evening, inshallah, uh, we're going to focus on the topic uh, to treat the poor with uh, dignity and, you know, with Qurbani around and uh, many people will be coming and uh, sometimes, you know, we working hard after slaughtering the animals and, you know, sometimes getting judgmental and that and that. But uh, perhaps, uh, you know, uh, to look at it in a more uh, Sunnah compliant manner, uh, we have our Sheikh Shoy Maida to perhaps uh, give us uh, some uh, of his thoughts and, you know, uh, delving into the, uh, or looking deep into the, the teachings of Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam and into the Quran, how we should be treating uh, poor people. Sheikh Shoy Maida, Assalamu Alaikum wa Rahmatullahi wa Barakatuh and uh, Jazakallah Khair for joining us. Wa alaikum assalam wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh shafat and thank you for the opportunity once again and may Allah reward you and your family all the best inshallah. And yes, we talk about uh, Qurbani and uh, the best time in our lives. We actually, we could have been losing our children by this uh, this coming t- today or tomorrow. We should have been losing our children, giving sacrifice for the pleasure of Allah ta'ala. But then uh, the whole scenario changed because of the obedience that Ibrahim والسلام, had and the acceptance that Ismail والسلام, had towards his father to fulfill the commands of Allah Ta'ala. And yes, once again, you spoke about the good topic today, which is actually uh, to be good uh, to the needy, which is actually the best topic and also what a timing shaft uh, for this kind of topic that you brought in. But you must remember it was during this time when Anabi Sallam did perform his Hajj and he did mention in regards to that line, you say, you know, he says that the uh, feeble or the poor or the needy among us you are very strong in the eyes of Anabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam until and unless we fulfill their rights that is when now it becomes uh, on the a next uh, same level. But as long as the needs are not being fulfilled, that means uh, hold an upper hand of us, which has to be dealt with, you know, accordingly, inshallah, Shah. No, absolutely. As uh, we know, you know, the world over, uh, most people are, you know, uh, faced with poverty. And alhamdulillah, you know, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has given uh, Muslims uh, the title, of being uh, now, if you look at uh, the uh, richest people on earth are the Muslims and the poorest of poor are Muslims. I mean, uh, there's uh, this uh, big disparity and it makes you think. But then uh, the riches of rich and uh, those uh, that, are, you know, Alhamdulillah, that are keeping close with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he's given them the opportunity of, uh, you know, making qurbani and slaughtering. And, uh, you know, when it comes to humanitarian aid, uh, the Muslims also come uh, to the fore. But uh, talking about uh, this culture of, you know, qurbani and alhamdulillah, many people, many non-Muslims who come with their buckets and looking perhaps, you know, people give them the type or the trotters or the heads and all those things. Uh, talk to us about that scenario, you know, when you are surrounded by people that literally uh, they themselves do not have a meat to eat maybe the whole year. How do we uh, want to react uh, to uh, this type of scenario, Sheikh Shoy Maida? 
Yes, sir, it's actually a very disturbing kind of scenario that we face when it comes to Kurban. You remember we do in certain areas and uh, sometimes we cause it because we go do it in the area where there's only a few Muslims or maybe no Muslims at all. So definitely people around, as you said, you know, we do not have access to that meat stuff. Definitely when we see it, we go wild because you want to get it. And, uh, you know, if you don't get in that manner, that means you won't be able to get so it becomes a challenging uh, factor, but, uh, you know, it can be dealt well if actually we are well organized in the sense uh, our slaughter place, we know where we're going to slaughter and we know what packages we're going to put together and then thereafter we distribute. And once it's distributed, I think it's good to actually make mention to the people to say, listen, this is a, a kind of a ritual which comes as sacrifice. So what you need to do in this moment is uh, uh, when you get this uh, little bit package, when you cook at home, please try and share with your neighbors around you. So actually it becomes, uh, you know, uh, a ritual that is shared all over. So don't give to say, oh, this is for you, you go, this is for you, you go. But give to say, you know, you got your neighbors around, at least a small piece after it's cooked, it will make a big difference. And that way, Shaf, it can maybe ease that kind of challenge that is there. But most of the time, it's a big challenge that even some do this uh, and step one another because of that. Some even will get in trouble because of that. So, yeah, it's something that we need to uh, find a way of working around it. Ultimately, it's uh, done for the pleasure of Allah Ta'ala. And if we live in His hands before we could do everything, definitely Allah Ta'ala will find a way to help us, you know, overcome these issues that comes around uh, distribution and even the slaughter of the animal shop. You know, Sheikh Shoemaid, whilst uh, you were talking, I was thinking about the household of the Prophet Sallallahu and uh, there used to be beggars coming and knocking at the door of Fatima radiallahu anha and, you know, uh, and uh, Aisha radiallahu anha. And uh, we, we, we know that, uh, you know, perhaps they had nothing at home for themselves, but what little they had, they even gave uh, the morsel away and so forth. I mean, that type of taqwa, that type of suffering that they went, I mean, uh, they were they themselves, you know, prone to hunger and starvation. You know, this, they'll be talking about uh, the household of the Prophet. Even uh, the Sahabas at times had to tie stones around the tummy uh, to give it uh, the impression that it's full. Talk to us about uh, the, the people of Thakwa and what lessons uh, they hold for us uh, in the modern times, uh, Sheikh Shui Maida. Russia, if you talk about those times, those actually genuine kind of faith, you know, and firm belief in Allah Ta'ala. Where actually there's not much of belief to say this is mine, it belongs to me, you know, nothing of that sort was there. It only things, uh, it only changed things when we started believing this is mine, uh, this is my house, I put a big fence around my house because this is mine, you know, so nobody sees what's happening inside. And yes, really nobody sees what's happening inside, Charles, because if, uh, the crooksters or the tags come and attack in the house, nobody will see what's happening. You know, people will just see two days, no one is coming out, only to realize something happened to the neighbors, because that's how uh, we've actually reduced ourselves to, where, you know, you think me and my family only we close ourselves. In that time, it was about myself and my neighbors. You must remember, on Abisha Solomon, in that moment, even emphasized the importance of actually forging good ties with the neighbor, you know, regardless of faith and where they come from, like even the, the companions at one moment thought, you know, the way it's been emphasized, maybe it'll be a time where it will be mentioned that if you pass on your neighbor, will have to actually uh, be part of those that inherit whatsoever you leave behind. That's the emphasis on Abyss has been put forward. And because of that kind of emphasis and the kind of mahabbat and love, that was it brought a lot of safety and security amongst the people, you know, even the Muslims and the Muslims were in good books because they look into one another. If there's any danger, 
So once your neighbor, you will know and you be the first one to stand up to make sure that uh, danger does not go towards your neighbor's way. So that's how uh, they used to live at that moment. So we need to come back uh, to, those, to those kind of ages in time, Shaf, whereby, you know, we look for the other people and see to them. Because once you know that high fence around you, you'll be able to see whether your neighbor is cooking food or they got no food in the house. You know, you'll be able to see whether your neighbors are tying the rocks on the family because there's nothing or they got something to cook. And that way it balances the life. But the moment we close ourselves and put ourselves uh, within barriers, barriers, then it becomes just a big problem where you wouldn't see what's happening or what's going to happen to you. You don't know what's going to happen to your neighbor. And that way we become isolated. And remember, once we are isolated, it's easier for us to get affected with either anything, whether it's harm can come in a way easy because of uh, choosing to be isolated. But once we work as a unit and we work together, look after one another, definitely the child will be protected. And they said, they shared even a small amount of food to look at the children, say, you know what, at least I can hold it for the next hour, but let's give the children a place to eat. And like today, Shaf, we develop different cultures and traditions. Whereby when I'm coming from work, I just decide to stop and have a takeaway. I've got children at home. I know there's not much enough food, but I'll just buy and fill my tummy properly. And I go home, I can just go and sleep to say, I'm also hungry, but I don't want to eat. Uh, this is for the children. You no, know, it's not the way of doing things. Let's embrace our families. Let's sit with them. Let's embrace our neighbors. Let's sit with them. Let's embrace anybody that is around us and make sure we share whatsoever Allah has given us. Remember, you never go poor because you're sharing what Allah has given you. You know, you make a very valid point there indeed. Uh, sitting together on a dafstar khan, on a big uh, plate or a big kuncha, you know, all eating from there. And I imagine even a family, husband, wife and children eating from there, the baraka there, and uh, there's smiles on everyone's uh, faces and everyone's, uh, you know, enjoying it. Uh, perhaps there's silence also there. And, you know, the father or the mother saying, hey, remember your duas are before me, bismillahi wa'ala wa ala barakatillah, and so forth. And you're, you're doing it that way. But today, you know, uh, it's sad to say that uh, the children alone uh, are in their own space and their own room. Room, uh, when the kurbani is done, uh, I mean, uh, the, the teenagers of today perhaps don't get their hands messed up and so forth. I mean, the, the reality is that they talk like that. Ma'azallah, it shouldn't be that way. Uh, but, you know, uh, seeming to have lost that uh, uh, that that culture of togetherness and baraka. And in this way, I mean, if you don't do it the sunnah way, you lose a lot of baraka and uh, perhaps a lot of diseases coming with that, actually, Maida. Well, definitely, Shav, we are losing quite a lot in this. You know, as you said, children, they own in own space in the house, Shav, not even going to their own rooms, even sitting in the same room. Children are sitting in their own spaces. The elders are sitting in their own spaces. Everybody's busy, glued uh, to the social media. But even if they want a cup of tea, they'll send the message. The wife is sitting there next. Send the message, can I have a cup of tea, please? You know, the children, can we have something to eat or can we buy something? You know, right there, instead of talking and being open to one another, but we are hiding behind the gadgets, letting the gadgets do the talking, which actually is gone contrary to what uh, we should be as Muslims. Remember, in unit, there's strength. And once you wake with these guys, just remember the unit is gone completely. You know, we don't see each other smile. You can't see my face when I'm sad because I will bluff you by sending those um, emoji things they got on the social media way. It shows you're happy, it shows you're sad, and the rest of that. So there's no that direct contact where you can see and feel, you know, the next person is actually sitting in problem. You know, there's some people, 
itself, they do not, do not disclose whatsoever issues they're going through. So if you're chatting with them via social media or the phone, you won't even know half what they're going through because simply there's no that uh, uh, direct contact with the face. So if you look at the face, you could see, you could say something is wrong. We actually probe questions to say, but I can see you're not happy. What is happening? What is going on? You can talk to me. We can find a solution to this. Tell me what is going on. That is what is missing today, Shafa. And that's why you find our children and everybody dwelling too much into the wrong part, some getting involved in drugs, some in alcohol, because there's no that contact anymore whereby we could see that, you know, something is not uh, uh, actually adding up with my children, that I need to talk to them. We just talk over the phone and they'll send you a smiley face and everything is done. But yet you don't know whether if you meet them in person and talk to them, that smiley face will mean anything. So sometimes yes, everybody will just put up a face to say, I'm happy, although they're not happy, just because nobody also wants to say, you know, I'm a person that's sad because nobody wants to talk to you if you're sad all the time. So just pretend and go along that you're happy and why not happy. So let's come back together because in being together, we understand the issues around our areas. And also at the same time, we will be able to come with solutions on how to face and tackle certain situations that actually are facing us as an Ummah as well as our community chef. You know, well said there, Sheikh Maida. And also, you know, recalling uh, perhaps the past, you know, where the children uh, didn't have the the distractions and they look forward to Kurbani and the elders got them all involved and you know you had the extended family members and each uncle that was there in that uh, yard each one uh, bought a sheep and each one had his animal there but the whole family as a whole got together the youngsters and everyone you know the males and females uh, there were a separation but uh, you know as soon as the uh, Kurbani was made the liver was immediately fried uh, with uh, you know onions and so forth and everyone enjoyed and indulged and it was uh, that type of uh, spirit and that type of camaraderie that really lit up uh, the day of uh, you know Eid al-Adha but uh, it seems as if uh, you know nowadays uh, quite a few do that but most of them are living in uh, concrete jungles and uh, you know the decision is made okay uh, we'll give it out and uh, well some of them go to farms and so forth and uh, get the kurbani done what's your thoughts on that about yesteryear comparing it uh, to nowadays and uh, you know that spirit of eating the flesh or the meat, uh, you know, when the kurbani is just done, uh, Sheikh. It's actually staring at me. And uh, this question says, uh, Assalamu alaikum, uh, Brother Shafaat and uh, Maulana Salim Karim. I really enjoy uh, your people's uh, program. I want to know from uh, Maulana, I fast all the time, but my husband doesn't fast with me. Uh, I feel very disappointed. But when I keep on telling him fast, fast, he gets angry with me. How should I handle my husband, uh, Maulana? Alhamdulillah, please go because 
Allah will look after us. You see, this is why I say it's important in today's marriages, Shafat Bhai, that we look for a partner, both for the husband and wife. That if I'm looking for a partner, a wife, she must have taqwa and deen in her. She must have ilm ilahi. She must have ilm sunnah, the sunnah of Rasulullah, the law of the Quran. She must know what is jayiz and najayiz. She should know what is hukukullah and hukukul ibad. When we have, because the mother is the first university of the child. Look at the tarbiyat Hadrat Hajra made of Hadrat Ismail. And Allahu Ladim, I always love this dialogue between Hadrat Ibrahim and Hadrat Ismail, father and son. When the father says to the son, you see, we don't talk to our children. We don't communicate with our children. We don't make mashura with our children. They live their own, they lead their own lifestyle. And me as the parent, I lead my own lifestyle. We don't even ask, we don't even eat together. We don't even talk together. Allah, Allah Ta'ala, forgive our shortcomings. Look at what father and son. And that is, alhamdulillah, the product. When you have a pious father and you have a pious mother, then Allah will give you a pious child. So here is the wife who is asking her husband. She also wants to go into Jannah. She wants to take her family with She's asking her husband, join me, inshallah. And this is also a masla that we must remember. That if you are keeping nothing rosas, it's important that you ask your husband, inshallah, permission, can I keep a rosa? Yes. For the month of Ramadan, rosa is first. You don't need anybody's permission. For the fasting of Ramadan, you don't need anybody's permission. Whether your husband likes it or not, and you are in the state of Taki, Alhamdulillah, you will keep your Rosa. But if you want to keep Nafil Rosa or Sunnat Rosa, it will be nice, Inshallah, good gesture. Ask your husband, Inshallah, can I keep a Rosa today? Inshallah, my, my heart is telling me that I want to become closer to Allah. And if he grants you permission, Alhamdulillah. So make dua, as I say to the sister. But Allah Ta'ala, get up for tahajjud namaz and say, Oh Allah, I've tried my best. Allah has done my best to bring my husband on Siratul Mustaqim. Bari Ta'ala, I have come thus far. I've cried in front of you. Rabbul Alameen, I'm begging you. Allah, I'm making dua to you. For my husband and for my children, Allah, I've asked you the best of best. Rabbana atina fi dunya hasana. Allah, grant me hasana fi dunya. Allah, Kubuliyat and acceptance is in your hand. Ya ilah al-alameen, O Allah, you are the creator of the universe. Allah, hidayat is in your hand. Tawfiq is in your hand, Bari Ta'ala. Grant my husband or grant my children Tawfiq. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala give us Tawfiq. Jesus Allah. Gee, Molana, this question says, uh, Molana, I'm uh, quite affluent and uh, uh, I have a lot of money. Can I buy uh, my uh, uh, a kurbani sheep for my husband also? He sometimes uh, feels uh, very angry when I do this because he says uh, he has his own money. Molana, how do you respond to that? See, by each one of us, if we have the nisab of zakat and we have our own savings, then it's preferable that we make our own kurbani. If you want to make qurbani on behalf of somebody, you need to seek their permission. Alhamdulillah. If they grant you permission, then alhamdulillah, you make the qurbani on their behalf. So each individual, money is wajib on you on the 
five days of Eid al-Adha. Inshallah, you have the nisab of zakat. And alhamdulillah, you are capable of buying your own animal and making your qurbani. And alhamdulillah, do it on your own accord. There's great sawab and reward. But if you want to make qurbani on behalf of somebody, you need to seek their permission. And if they grant you the permission, then you should go ahead. Another question. It's amazing that the first three pages I'm looking at has a question that's very relevant to our topic this evening. This one says, Molana, in our family there's a tradition after Qurbani that the kalaji is made with onions and lovely lemon. Is this the sunnah of our prophet or was it a tradition that we got from from the Indian subcontinent? That's a good question, no, Molana. It's a beautiful question. For Eid al-Fitr, it is sunnah to partake some meal before you go to the Eid ka. And when I was in Medina, I still remember for Eid al-Fitr, immediately after Isha, they would start with Fajr, I would eat Salah, but there would be people standing on all the doors of Masjid al-Nabawi with trays of Kajur and giving it to all the Musallis who are entering the Masjid. This is, inshallah, in conformity that on Eid al-Fitr occasion, it is sunnah to eat something and partake something before you go to the Eidah. The sunnah of Eid al-Adha is the first muscle that should go down, down your throat, should be a piece of your qurbani that you have made. And alhamdulillah, traditionally, plus Nabi Kareem sallallahu alayhi wa sallam also ate a piece of lava or kaleji as you call it, inshallah. So it's not a tradition of, of, of India or Pakistan. It's the sunnah of the Prophet ﷺ to partake of a piece of flesh from your qurbani on the day of Eid al-Adha. That should be the first thing that goes down your gullet, inshallah, there's barakah and afia. Another question, Shafadbai, on that. Which part of the animal did Rasulullah love the most? Good question. Mm. Rasulullah loved the four, the four legs, the front legs of an animal. Is to love that portion. We love chops and we love the neck and we love all the other parts. Alhamdulillah, all of it is jayas. But what did Rasulullah prefer? The four legs, inshallah, Rasulullah is to love to partake of the four legs of an animal. Number three, what is the sunnah way of eating? We've got big fork and knife to cut, inshallah, there's a leg piece over there. Whenever the meat was cooked during the time of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam and prepared, Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam would like to break off the portions of meat and eat of it. That's the sunnah way of eating it. We want a special knife and fork to cut that in. So how soft they would have cooked it for Nabi Kareem sallallahu alayhi wa sallam and the Sahaba al-Kiram. And inshallah, if we cook it well, we, we prepare it well, the meat will just fall off. And that's the tastiest way of eating a meal. So, Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi salatu wasalam, one way, alhamdulillah, loved the four, the four legs of an animal. Shafat bhai, mm. the third thing I want to bring to your notice. You know, these Afrikaners, they think they invented this biltong. Do you know that? During the time of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam, how did the Sahaba ikiram, rahmatullahi preserve meat? They soaked it in salt and vinegar. And the biggest ingredient in making bultong is they soak it in vinegar and salt. And then they put all the dhaniyas and all the other spices. This was done 1400 years ago. This was the way Rasulullah and the Sahaba Ikram preserved meat. They, they soaked it in vinegar and salt. And Alhamdulillah, 
when you wanted to eat it, they would just soak it in water again and eat it. So if anybody thinks that uh, biltong is traditionally South African, they are absolutely mistaken. This my Habib sallallahu alayhi wasallam taught us and did it 1,400 years ago. Well said there. You're listening, uh, Professor Andre Duvonaga, because aunts, yeah, the Muslims had that kadun. And now, uh, Molana, this uh, question here says, uh, Molana, we really enjoy your show uh, all the time. Please, uh, Molana, uh, some of our neighbors are, are African Muslims. They take the meat and they boil it in salt and uh, water and uh, eat the meat as a boiled meat. Is that allowed, Molana? Alhamdulillah, subhanAllah. You can cook it, you can braai it, alhamdulillah, you can roast it, you can make it into curry. And yes, one of the best food Rasulullah loved, yes. I want to tell you this, Shafat Bhai. Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam loved sarid. You know what is sarid? You make a broth, you make a soup, and you break pieces of roti and soak that roti in the, in the gravy. This was one of the best curries. This is one of the best dishes Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam loved to eat was sarid. We forgot about it. We're more worried about buying it and all that. Fine, it's permissible, acceptable. But why don't we want to follow the sunnah that inshallah make a nice pot of soup, inshallah, with your qurbani meat and serve it and take bread or take roti or whatever, rolls or whatever, and soak it into that soup or broth, whatever you want to call it. And with the intention of Sunnah, Alhamdulillah, Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam is to partake meals like that. So revive this Sunnah also. Inshallah, take the Qurbani meat, make a nice pot of soup, Inshallah. And our sisters and mothers are excellent. They make beautiful soup, Alhamdulillah. You can imagine Halim is so tasty. Mm. Likewise, all the other aspects of soup, the different types of soup. Why can't we just make a waneer that I'm making this soup as Rasulullah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam loves Sarid. Today is the day of Qurbani. I'm taking part of that meat. I'm going to boil it. I'm going to make a soup. Inshallah, and I want my whole family to take part in the sunnah of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi I tell you, Molana, you're making me sweat already. Hey, I'm feeling healthy. When Molana Salim Karim talks like that and he talks about that, I'm going to try that, Molana, and I'm going to tell you how it, how it tastes. Definitely going to try that. Um, I, yeah, no, absolutely brilliant, uh, Molana. About uh, two minutes or three minutes, uh, yeah, two minutes to go. Perhaps yeah, uh, you're rounding up and parting words uh, this evening. in the olden days, very few, very few people had watches. This is true, Safarbhai. True. I don't wear a watch. True. Up till now, I don't wear a watch. I remember, you know, one day by Ustad, while we were in Bukhari Sharif lesson, and we're looking at our watch, when Ustad Saab is going to finish the lesson, and he scolded me. And from that day, I never wore a watch. Mm. There's nothing wrong. It's just that I don't wear a watch. That's why when we give lectures, I always ask the Muslims, how many minutes left? Which mm. is wrong. We should, inshallah, have a watch. <laughs> it's important. It's important. But look at this. In the olden days, very few people had watches. But everyone had time. Shafat Bhai. True. But now everyone has watches. <laughs> but none no. of us have time for each Allah. other. Make time for each other. It will be too late. When your janaza is going to be picked up and taken out of that house, it's too late to cry and mourn. While everyone is alive, 
even the enemy, when he comes to see the face of the marhum, when you have time and opportunity to make peace with each other, Shafat Bhai, we let this golden opportunity go. Mm. So don't make this mistake, as is well said here. And two things, just remember. Two things, two gunas and two sins. You are declaring war with Allah to all the qurbani you want, all the zakat you want, all the namazas, the hajj, umrah. Do whatever you want. But two things. You are declaring open war with Allah. What are those two things? Number one, a sodhori, incest. You're doing your business with incest. The old, good, beautiful days. I mean, it was so good. You know, when you sit, you look for the Qurbani because you know there'll be that liver, you know, there'll be some little bit charged sacrifice. We didn't understand what the parents are teaching us. They listen, the way we slaughter in these animals today for the pleasure of Allah, it's going to have been one of your children, or maybe I could have been your father, but at the moment because I could have been slaughtered for the pleasure of Allah, but now because of the obedience of Ibrahim, and his son, he smiled this way we are today. So let's enjoy for the pleasure of Allah. And that was used to be very good, chap. As you said, we all have, everybody, the uncles will have, if the brothers can afford to have, the sisters can afford to have. So the whole family basically had something to do with Qurban on this special day, and they had to slaughter, and everybody, even the children, have to watch the Sunnah, which actually kindly don't have to where we are today, that we do value the Sunnah, because it was done. Now coming on this generation where we're in sharp, as you said, you know that people are stuck in on uh, concrete jungles, you know, where there's rules that you cannot cut animals within your yard and the rest of that, then people are just let go back to speak to Sakiwando, let's just rather send to Malawi, uh, let's just send one to India, uh, let's send one to Afghanistan, let's one to Zambia, Zimbabwe, and the rest of that. And at home, there's nothing that's being done. So in other ways, you're doing Kurban, you think you're doing it a good way, but you're not doing anything good. So this sunnah has to be done. Ibrahim, alayhi salatu wasalam, at that moment, Allah could have told him that, you know, uh, you can do that uh, or pay somebody in, uh, in Africa there to get a poor child to do Kurbani for you. You don't need to see anything. As long as it's done, you give it, the money is done. It could have been that way. But this fun shop is about the ritual and the quality behind it. Where Nabi Sallallahu said, there is no better action on the day of slaughtering animals on Eid Lava than uh, slaughtering the animal on that day. Because when you cut the animal, the blood before it reaches the earth, it reaches a certain greater status before Allah, which you need to understand that. And then when it comes to slaughtering, you have to be actually very gentle in slaughtering the animals. So you look at that shot. Ibrahim had to put his own Sunday, which is a sunnah to say you have to take that animal and put it there and slaughter it yourself. So if you're sending out or you send out, make sure there's one that you're going to do yourself, as Shaf was saying. And we know there's certain farms around us uh, in KZD, and uh, you talk about in Cape Town as well, in Gauteng, in Popo. There is farmers that allow the Muslims to come and do this voting day. So take your families, take one. Let them get in use to this that every year there's a reach of, this reach of slaughtering. Not every year there's a reach of sending money away for Kurban to be done in, in absentia. 
you know, we have to do it our own selves, shall we, on hands. And when we have access, alhamdulillah, send it to those that need it in other countries. But make sure one is done, and when it's done, your families and your children can see this soon happening. I know some children today say, no, I don't want to see that. If I see that, I want it done. Some even say, I don't want to be, I don't want to be mothering the animals. You know, people can do that. Me, I don't want to be anywhere near that. You can't do that. It's the ritual that Allah has given you for you to do. So make sure you honor this ritual. If it was so bad as we think Allah Ta'ala could not have ordered to do that. But Allah has shown us to say you could have been doing this uh, towards your loved ones, but through the means of Allah Ta'ala now he's giving you the animal that you slaughter for his purpose. Yeah, yeah Sheikh Maida, you know, mashallah, lovely uh, thoughts are coming through from you. And then, uh, you know, we think about uh, the time of a ritual, the Ibrahim alayhi salam, during his time, I mean, uh, the, the, I mean, his ritual was a, a magical moment. It was a moment in a divine decree that was documented in the noble Quran and it was uh, you know manifested to such an extent that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala called for us uh, to remember that uh, that moment of Ibrahim alayhi salam because it meant uh, so much in to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and in the heavens and the earth and then uh, you know we think about uh, over the years uh, when people were slaughtering of uh, people of yesteryear uh, they didn't have the luxury of a refrigeration or where they had to store the meat at that um, uh, moment when you slaughter the sheep or you slaughtered the ram or whatever you slaughtered you had to give it out immediately even the chicken that you slaughtered I mean you couldn't store it because no refrigeration and perhaps if you look at the refrigeration uh, I don't know whether you can count it as a blessing or as a curse what's your thoughts on that Asher? Uh, well you know this is the ritual that we're doing now we, we keep uh, these animals uh, in the refrigerators uh, which, you know, is good at one moment, but sometimes not good. Best way, Chef, what I'll say is, once the animal is slaughtered, slice it and give it away to the people. That is the best way of doing it. Why it's still fresh, you know, give it away, let the people enjoy, you know, the fresh of that meat, Chef. That's all I can say. Yeah, okay. And uh, then you look at uh, the villages and uh, the remote parts of the country uh, when they're having, uh, and most of them won't even have a ref- uh, refrigeration. But the whole community gets together and perhaps, uh, you know, a remote uh, village in uh, Malawi, uh, perhaps uh, you are more, you know, off with that. Uh, you know, give us a scenario when they all get together and they have the kurbani and uh, what type of, uh, you know, do they boil the meat with, uh, with salt and do they have it? same time and you know how the feast is and uh, you know we, we in our case uh, as I said uh, there will be a special biryani or maybe uh, uh, you know what they call acne and so forth or maybe some kalya but uh, talk to us about uh, the culture uh, you know the cultural way or the cultural cuisine uh, maybe in Malawi especially during the uh, you know the day of Kurbani how the morning begins and what happens and so forth uh, Yashe. No, Shaf, uh, this becomes one of the most, uh, you know, important day when it comes to the farm areas uh, like Malawi, as you're talking about, even in Zambia and those areas, because one face is people, they're given a chance to go look around, to go actually uh, get the animals and bring it. So the whole past two to three weeks, building towards the Eid Lava, it becomes a best time where everybody goes around and bringing the animals together. And this day, like yesterday, coming today, tomorrow, the animals are coming, are coming and coming in the village. So there is that excitement. And everybody knows that tomorrow morning, we sit together as a family, we help in skinning the animals and the rest of that, bringing the water 
water, bring in the, uh, the knives to help to make sure that this ritual is done properly. And it becomes exciting, Chef, when we start actually um, uh, brying the meat and putting the pasta so that everybody can have inshallah. Then, uh, you know, uh, the uh, purchase of the animals, and I think uh, most of the animals uh, uh, the, for slaughtering, uh, you know, the kurbani is done. Uh, you know, a lot of non-Muslims are supplying us uh, uh, the, uh, you know, the sheep and, uh, the, you know, the goats and so forth. But uh, Sheikh Shoaib Maida, you know, shouldn't we be, be, be checking up the, the source that we're getting it from? Because some of them maybe in their hearts have other feelings towards Islam and maybe doing a, a few wrong things and so forth. What should we do generally? Should we buy from Muslims only? Well, sir, when it comes to... Um this ritual, it to be much better if you buy from Muslims, Alhamdulillah, which also you promoting them. You say, remember, the more the money they make from there, we also have some coffers coming towards uh, uh, our zakat, uh, you know, coffers throughout the year. You know, that's a benefit of buying from the Muslims. But also it comes to the moment where when the Muslim goes to the extreme shop, understanding Qurbani, they go shoot up the price of Qurbani, which is also sometimes not good in the sense, uh, you know, things are getting difficult by the day, you know, you look at the economy is not doing well, then we get our Muslims are buying from there at a good price and shooting maybe double or maybe triple the price, which becomes also a problem because now you're stopping people or you're actually not allowing people to actually fulfill the ritual because simply you've shot the price high. So I would say, for the Muslims you're buying it for your business, Alhamdulillah Allah bless you for that, but please try and have a very good negotiated price, whereby it will be much easier and cheaper for the Muslims to buy from the Muslim uh, uh, people than buying it from outside the din. In that way, actually, you're saving uh, the Ummah some money as well, and also at the same time, you're affording the Ummah an opportunity uh, to do the Qurbani. But if you actually bring the animal you buy for 700, you squeeze the people for 3,000 or 2,000, I think this is not acceptable, Shah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, uh, the, the price and uh, also, you know, maybe shortchanging the people, uh, you know, you said, okay, we'll deliver you, uh, we'll do the delivery and so forth, but you cut off the fat and you cut off this and you cut that off and uh, you're retailing that or maybe you don't even give them the skins and you sell the skin uh, to some other individuals and so forth. I mean, uh, that is uh, being, uh, uh, you know, you're cheating the people. And, uh, you know, if, you, if you're doing that out of a ritual, uh, you know, it's it's it's, it's quite a big sin, actually, Maida. Well, it is, sir. If you look at it, some people actually start buying these animals three months prior to this. You know, buying them at a good price and. Uh, you know, making it, you know, like a business issue. Some it becomes a business issue, but, you know, let's uh, do this stuff as a, a way to uplift Muslims, to help Muslims, to make sure that Muslims have access to Qurbani. You know, even if you make a little bit money, make 20 rand, 30 rand from the animal, it's far much better than nothing. That will actually afford the Muslim opportunity. But if you're getting double the price and uh, people must cough out the money, and yet you know you're getting a traditional price, really I think it's time just to turn down sharp to say, you know, Let's do this for the pleasure of Allah. Yes, Allah is the provider at the end of the day. The more we do good, is the more we get the best from Allah. Yes, sir, Sheikh Shuaib. I'm going to put you in the spot now. If you had to go to a school, uh, you know, tomorrow morning, or you had to go uh, to a school and, uh, you know, discuss uh, Qurbani, especially a non Muslim school, how would you talk to them about uh, the uh, ritual of Qurbani and how would you motivate them to see Qurbani in the light of uh, the, you know, the SPCA and all the other organizations say, hey, there's a cruelty to animals and this and that. How would you react, Sheikh Shuaib? And how would you address uh, uh, this hospital? 
hostile environment? Shaf, actually, that's a very good point you brought it. I mean, it's very easy. If you look at us, uh, uh, based on the sundown, how we slaughter the animal, I mean, there's no cruelty. In the sense, we have to case the animals on one side where they do not have access to the animals, other animals being slaughtered. So better to get them a little bit further where they do not even smell the blood of the animals being, being slaughtered. And then you brought them there, you feed them the water so the animal comes at ease and you handle it with gentleness because the moment you handle the animal gentleness, the animal gives itself in because it's no, it knows that this is the ritual that is commanded by Allah. So the same we can answer the SPS. And I'm talking about the ritual bringing to non-Muslims. It's easier because most of them they do understand the, uh, the Bible teachings talking about Abraham and Ishmael as the son of Abraham. So you speak around the lines uh, on uh, how Allah commanded Abraham to go to Canaan you know, and left his family and you bring about all the uh, uh, um, uh, Zamzam water coming up and then the rest of that and now this ritual of actually uh, slaughtering that God did ask him to uh, uh, take his son as a ritual uh, giving back to Allah but then for God to show that when you obey him and actually you receive his message positively and you are ready to do it, God will always give you a way out which was now the animal that we're slaughtering now, that was a way out to say if it wasn't for the obedience then it could have been the ritual where we could be losing uh, some loved ones in our family but because of the obedience, you know, the following up of the command of God, then definitely this is where we are today, that we slaughter these animals only for the pleasure of God and in the name of God and Ishaq. Well, Ashaq Shaymaida, well said there, and inshallah, you know, uh, all your, what you have said, Allah will reward you for that. Uh, perhaps your parting words uh, this evening. No, I say uh, uh, may Allah Ta'ala accept for our brothers and sisters who went for Hajj, inshallah, accept the Ibadah, inshallah, and make them come back home as uh, purely born babies, free of sin, inshallah, and for us that remain behind, may Allah Ta'ala accept us, inshallah, and those wishing for God for, to go for Hajj, we say may Allah Ta'ala open the ways for us to go for Hajj, inshallah, and those slaughtering tomorrow, inshallah, do it with gentleness and with kindness, remember, it's a ritual you're doing before Allah Ta'ala, and remember, it could have been that you're hungry your own child and put you on the place of slaughter for the pleasure of Allah. So definitely, if you're doing that your own child, you wouldn't be bashing the child up and down, uh, breaking the bones and the rest of that. So when slaughtering, the bones are broken already. You could do it with gentleness and, you know, having that in you to say, I'm losing the loved ones. So let's do it with a lot of uh, uh, rules abided, abided by and also do it only for the pleasure of Allah and make sure, you know, you share one for yourself, uh, the other one for the family, the other one for the poor and for the needy. Let's do that, and as we're talking earlier, try and distribute it as much as you can while the meat is still fresh. Don't wait to freeze it and stay there three weeks, four weeks, five weeks. Then actually the whole uh, concept of Qurban is forgotten out of that. So let's do it as soon as possible, and we know it's done according to our say. May Allah to accept for those that are sacrificing, inshallah, and for those that cannot afford, we say may Allah to open the ways for them that next year, inshallah, everybody has a chance to sacrifice for the pleasure of Allah to Jazakallah khaira, Sheikh Shoy Maida. You have a beautiful evening ahead. I'll talk to you soon. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Wa alaikum assalam wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Time for us to go for a break and inshallah we will continue after that.